The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. The Braves Radio Network channel on the Podcast Park is brought to you by Truist Bank. When you start with care, you get a different kind of bank. Well, thanks so much for joining us. It's another episode of the Frozen Rope Report. And as always, I'm your buddy Kevin McAlpin coming to you on the final day of February, Tuesday morning, February 28th, 2023. March now right around the corner, which means at midnight tonight we can officially say Baseball season begins this month. Braves will open up the regular season at the end of March. They'll be in the nation's capital. But first things first, still about 20-some-odd games to go in Grapefruit League play. And if you missed some of the action from over the weekend, we'll get you up to speed on the biggest story that has happened so far, possibly in any uh, spring training camp to this point. We'll talk about that coming up here in just a few moments. Coming up later on in our show, I'm going to let you hear a conversation uh, that Nick and Chris recently had with Kevin Pillar. Remember, he's one of the guys that we've talked about in camp, a non-roster guy, a veteran. He's been around for a while uh, trying to win a spot on the uh, Braves bench, potentially a, a platoon scenario in the outfield as well. Kevin Pillar sat down with Nick and Chris last week, and I wanted to let you hear that interview. And there's tons of great content. If you did not hear some of the uh, interviews that those guys did down there in their week at Northport, check out 680thefan.com. They've got all kinds of great content there. Uh, you can find all of their interviews. Charlie Morton, Eric Young, uh, they uh, sat down with Brian Snitker, Jared Schuster, uh, first-round pick and uh, top prospect. All of those interviews, 680thefan.com or the podcast park, you can find all of those conversations, and we'll bring you the conversation with Kevin Pillar coming up here in just a little while. As always, today's show is brought to you by my friends at Righteous Q right here in the heart of Marietta. If you are looking for the best barbecue in the region, stop by Righteous Q. They do the smoked wings. They do the pulled pork. They've got the brisket burgers on Friday, and they're now serving beer as well. Stop by and see them. They're right off of uh, Roswell Road and East Piedmont Road there in the Piedmont Common Shopping Center. Patrick and his staff do an unbelievable job, and if you're there on a Friday around noon, there's a good chance you're going to see me and a couple of the dad buddies from the neighborhood in there eating our brisket burger. They take the scraps all week long, they make them into brisket patties, and they serve them on Fridays while supplies last. Big thanks to Patrick and the awesome staff at Righteous Q for being part of our show all season long here on the Frozen Rope Report. All right, as we mentioned last week, with games getting underway this uh, this spring, a lot of intrigue on most notably the pitch clock, but also the lack of shifts and other rule changes for the new season. But if you missed it, Saturday kicked off Grapefruit League action with a bang for the Atlanta Braves. They tied the Boston Red Sox 6-6. Now, that's something that's not uncommon in spring training games. You play your nine innings. You don't want to burn anybody out. And if you've gotten all your pitchers in, a lot of times the managers will just say, you know what, let's shut her down after, um, after the ninth inning. And so the Braves had the bases loaded. They had a young man at the plate uh, in, uh, in Cal Conley with a 3-2 count. And Cal Conley as a batter, was not back in the batter's box, ready to go by the eight-second mark on the pitch clock timer. He was called out on strikes. The game came to an end, 
and uh, all kinds of head scratching was going on there at Cool Today Park. A lot of folks just trying to figure out what in the world just happened. But what I can tell you from watching and from following a lot of the games, not only in the Grapefruit League, but also out in the Cactus League as well, umpires have been instructed, and this is very, very clear by Major League Baseball, to be there and to be ready to call automatic balls and strikes if a pitcher or a batter is not ready to go when that pitch timer gets to that certain point. Again, batters have to be in, ready to go, with eight seconds left on the timer. Uh, So, again, it's been clear that they're they're instructed to be very, very strict. And who knows? We'll see what happens uh, as the regular season gets closer. Is there a little more leniency? Do you give a guy a little bit of a benefit of the doubt if he has to adjust a, a batting glove, if he gets something in his eye? How do umpires handle it? I'm very, very curious. But... They have been told to be very, very strict with this. So Cal Conley was the first player to be uh, charged as a batter with the automatic strike. And it's weird. If you look at the game cast, you know how they they list out everything that happened in a game. Uh, Eli White walks, Justin Dean walks, uh, Braden Shoemake walks. uh, And then you see this at the very final play of the game. Cal Conley strikes out on an automatic strike. It's just bizarre, but it's the new world we're living in in Major League Baseball. Now, I say that to say this. Looking at game times, two hours, 39 minutes for the Braves' first exhibition game. Yesterday, the Braves had a 7-0 win over the Toronto Blue Jays, and they did it in two hours and 11 minutes. Folks, the pitch clock is working. It's doing what it's supposed to do. Now, I've seen some folks in my mentions on Twitter that are not crazy about it, and I'll be completely transparent. I'll be completely honest with you. I have not necessarily been in favor of all of the rule changes that have come to the game this year. I didn't like the pitch clock. I thought, you know what, this is probably something that we could, you know, hold off on and you could just train in the minors and, and, you know, you wouldn't have to really necessarily bring it into the big leagues. Well, I have seen a number of videos here lately, including one that I retweeted yesterday. Barstool Baseball put it out. This might be the the most pro pitch clock video ever made. Now, this was a game back in 2016. The Cubs were playing a game uh, against the Dodgers in the division, uh, in the LCS, I believe it was. David Ross was the batter, and he was facing uh, a pitcher who was in no particular hurry. Uh, to the fact that they laid, overlaid, or inlaid, I guess, I guess inlaid is the right uh, terminology for the uh, video editing. I can tell you audio editing. I can't tell you anything about video editing. But if you want to find this video, it's on my Twitter. They overlaid a video of Jose Altuve inside the park home runs. And they counted how many inside the park home runs he could hit before David Ross got another pitch from Pedro Baez. It's a step off. It's a look the runner back to second. It's a I can't get on the same page with my catcher. It's a I need new signs. It's David Ross stepping out of the box with frustration. And to their credit, Joe Buck, who was calling the game, along with Ken Rosenthal, he was the in-game reporter. Uh, I'm trying to remember who else was in that video. Uh, I think Smoltzy was on the, the, the broadcast as well, along with Tom Verducci. At one point, Joe Buck says, this is getting hard to watch. Like, you're two minutes into this video, and you have not seen a pitch thrown by Baez. So, again, I guess what I'm getting at is, I know there's a lot of purists out there that don't like this idea. You're not in favor of the pitch clock, and you you think it's going to change the game. Here's what I'll say. The pitch clock is not changing baseball. You know what it's changing? It's changing the amount of non-baseball activities and non-baseball wasted time that we see when we watch a game. Uh, Two hours and 11 minutes for a 7-0 game. 
Uh, again, the pitch clock is doing what it's here to do. It's uh, it's speeding the game up. It's it now. There's some folks who are saying, well, it's it's taking the cat and mouse game out of it. It's taking the the step off. It's taking the you know what's a pitcher going to do and how's he going to throw off a hitter? Maybe a little bit, but you know what? What have we always said? Baseball is a game of adjustments, and if a guy's not going well, you know what? You got to make adjustments. And if a if a guy's going well as a pitcher and you're a batter, you've got to adjust to him. Uh, everyone's got to adjust. It's the new norm. This isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Um, so yeah, it, it's doing exactly what it's supposed to do. I saw a game the other day. Uh, ben Ingram sent it to me the other day. Uh, it was uh, from, from Twitter, and I'm trying to find it right now. If I can, if I can get it quick enough, I will. I'm not going to uh, stall for for too much time on you with with this one. But what I'm what the the point was, I believe it was like you know 25 or or 26 hits were made in a game. Uh, and then uh, there was um, maybe 15 runs, and the game was over. Here you go. 15 runs, 25 hits, 16 pitchers used in the Royals' 8-7 win over the Mariners, and they did it in 2 hours and 25 minutes. Think about a game you've watched that had a 5 nothing lead for the home team in the first inning, and you go, oh my goodness, this is going to be a game that takes forever. But no, 8-7 final in 2 hours and 25 minutes. Oh, by the way, with 16 pitchers used. In my opinion, this is great for the next generation. Um, I've got an eight, almost 8-year-old son who loves watching the game, but after about two hours, he's seen enough. Uh, if it's the eighth inning, bottom of the eighth in a one-run game, and it's two hours in, you know what Max isn't doing? He's not changing the channel. He's not asking mom to leave the ballpark early. He wants to stay around and see the finish. So I guess what I'm getting at is Major League Baseball is doing things to try to cater to that next generation, whether it's the pitch clock. One that I'm really in favor of this season is every team playing everybody. I think that is huge. Think about how many kids on the West Coast have heard about Ronald Acuna Jr., but maybe they haven't seen him play in person. Maybe they haven't had an opportunity to to, to stay and, and watch a game. Vice versa, think about how many kids on the East Coast have heard about Shohei Otani. They can't stay up till 10 o'clock at night to watch an Angels game. They don't see the Angels come to Atlanta very often. So what I'm getting at is you are going to get these younger kids who use the same walk-up music as their favorite players. I see it because I have a son who does it. They're going to get a chance to see all 30 teams, and I think this is such a smart move for Major League Baseball. Every other sport, pro sport has done it, and I'm glad that baseball is doing it as well. And uh, every other year, you'll have a chance to see those teams in your own building as opposed to just having to settle for TV or radio. So at the end of the day, I think it's great. I think baseball is doing a lot of good things. Um, I'm not as crazy about the shift, and Domino and I have talked about this on the air. Uh, I don't like the fact that you can tell me how I can or can't win a baseball game. If I want to put six guys on the right side of my infield, I think I should be able to do that. Uh, but ultimately, the players will come back with the flip side of that. And as Ozzie Albies told us at Braves Fest, if, if a player hits a ball, if a left-handed batter hits a ball over the second baseman's head, that should be a hit. And now it will be because you do not have the shifting capabilities. So um, again, I think it's going to do good things for the players. Uh, you're going to see averages on base percentages go up. OPSs coincidentally will go up as well. And that will help them at arbitration time. Those players will get paid uh, because their numbers will be better than they could have been with the shift. So uh, at the same time, you know, while, you know, change, a lot of us are purists. We don't like to see change in the game. Um, You know, I know a lot of folks were wishy-washy on the universal DH. I think that's taken off pretty well. I'll say the one I could do without. The, 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 it's not a ghost runner because it's actual player. There's not the, uh, you know, pretend runner. It's an actual runner. I don't like the runner on second starting in the 10th inning. I just don't. 
play two innings and then give me a go, uh, you know a, a placed runner in the twelfth inning if you have to. I don't like it in the tenth. But again, I see where baseball's trying to tie all these things together and uh, not only speed up the games, but also not have to try to run through 15 pitchers if you're a, a team, uh, if you play an extra long game. Eh, 15's an exaggeration, but you know where I'm getting at. Uh, so that's the one that I could do without. I don't like the placed runner on second. I don't hate the concept, and I don't hate the concept in the, tenth, uh, the 12th inning, the 13th inning, whatever it might be. I just don't like it in the 10th. Let them play a couple of innings, see what happens, and then you can go to that. You'd really be only using one at the most two more pitchers if you decide to go in that direction so there you go old man rant is over uh i just uh but again wiley and i talked about this last week on the braves clubhouse report uh there is more intrigue in these games this year than i think we've seen in a long time just because of all the new rules being in play and being out there for you so uh that was the big story over the weekend was the braves called for the very first uh pitch violation and it was on a batter and it ended a ball game now again i can live with that in spring training that can't happen in a regular season game. It just can't. And I think that as we go along, these batters and these pitchers will get more and more of an internal clock, or maybe they don't have to glance at the external one there in the building. Before we hear from Kevin Pillar, who uh, we did see uh, get some action over the weekend for the Braves. Uh, yesterday, Braves had a 7 nothing shutout victory over the Blue Jays. Uh, they did it behind uh, Max Fried, who went two scoreless innings with four punchouts. How about that? That's a good start for Max Fried. And then Spencer Strider followed. They piggybacked together two innings, one walk, one strikeout. Rysel Iglesias, a good scoreless inning there in the fifth with a couple of punchouts as well. Lucas Litke, uh, the lefty who came over from the Yankees, two hits in a scoreless inning as well. Uh, so that was some of the highlights there. As far as the scoring for the Braves was concerned, uh, we saw uh, Matt Olson RBI double. That scored Ronald Acuna Jr. Michael Harris scored uh, Olsen on an RBI single to center. Harris later tripled. That scored Sean Murphy. Ozzy Albies RBI ground out. That got uh, Michael Harris in. Von Grissom added a sack fly as well. Those are some of the offensive keys and standouts there for you. Acuna was one for two with a walk, a strikeout, and a run scored. Matt Olson two for three, off to a good start through his first few games. Sean Murphy, a one for two day. He is hitting 500. Small sample size theater, folks, through just a couple of games. And Money Mike Harris, two for three with two RBI. Good start for some of the Braves regulars here in spring training. One guy who is looking to join that conversation and make the roster here this year is the now 34-year-old outfielder Kevin Pillar. Uh, you remember Kevin. He's been around for a while. Blue Jays, seven seasons. Uh, broke into the big leagues as a 24-year-old back in 2013. Seven seasons in Toronto. Then he went out to San Francisco for a year. He's been a Dodger. He was a Met. He was a Rocky. He was a Giant. And he was a Red Sox. Last season, uh, just four games with the Dodgers. Uh, the, you go back to 2021. Had a pretty good season with the New York Mets. 124 games with New York. Uh, 15 homers, 11 doubles, added a couple of triples, drove in 47 runs as well in uh, in, in limited action. Uh, he was uh, obviously had that injury as well, uh, but uh, a good piece and one who's trying to make the roster as a non-roster invitee. And what do you say we hear that conversation he recently had with Nick and Chris as they were down in Northport last week covering Brave Spring Training. Kevin Pillar, um, you actually wrote baseball class. You've got that coming up. How excited are you? Um, actually, not playing. You're not? Not playing, no. You're going to stick around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, at this point in my career where I'm at, trying to make this team probably a little bit more important to be seen every single day as opposed to being gone for 15 days. Uh, something I've always wanted to do. Uh, I know the opportunity will still be there, whether you know I'm still in uh, professional baseball or you know my career's over during the next WBC. I can always go out and train. I know Israel's always kind of looking for players. I know a couple players that have been retired are still playing, so that opportunity is still going to present itself. Thought it would be cool to, to, to play in that environment, especially in that Miami bracket with the teams that are there, but, you know, after talking to Alex and signing here, uh, you know, it's best served for me to just stay here and, and compete for uh, a job on this roster. If I would have told you 32nd round, yeah, I pick at a Division two school, you'd get eight plus years in the major leagues, what would you have said? I mean, I would, I would like to say I believe you. You know, I think with the injury last year and being home for the first time in my career and not being able to play, got an opportunity to step back from the game and kind of, you know, look at my career and what I've been able to accomplish. Uh, I'm more than thrilled. I think that's what gives me peace uh, coming into, you know, what a lot of people will consider kind of a, a stressful uh, time in your career, having to go in and compete. I just, I, I enjoy playing. I still think I have a lot to offer. And it, it, to me, it's very simple. I go out and I play well and I go into the office and they tell me they make the team. Uh, I don't go out here and play well. They tell me I don't make the team and then I'll have some decisions to make. But I'm, I'm beyond thrilled with my career, what I've been able to accomplish, where I came from. And I think all kids, when they're little, dream about being a big leaguer. Uh, to me, it was kind of in college where I said I kind of want to go for it. Didn't really know what that meant. So to look back, that I almost have nine years of service time, been able to do some pretty cool things on the field, accomplish a lot. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely at peace with it. Still hungry for more, but, you know, it's, it's my way of kind of separating the, the task at hand with just going out and trying to compete and play. When they signed you, I called Snit. And he, first word, dude. He said he's a dude. And I know what that means. At 34, it's a different environment for you right now. How do you sort of pace yourself in this, your current situation? Because, look, I, injuries suck. You, you can't control them, and when they happen. But now on a minor league deal, I'm sure there's part of, hey, I can still play. They know you can play. There's a back of a baseball card. Yeah. But how do you try to maintain until we get to games? Like, as this final week starts to wind down. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I'm no, no stranger to spring training. I don't really try to approach it any differently than I have if I had a guaranteed job. Um, I understand it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. You know, I'm still going to go out and, and, and do the things that I'm capable of doing. I'm going to, you know, if the body feels good, I'm going to go out and shag a little bit more of the day if I know that I need to take it a little bit easy. I've learned to pace myself a little bit more. But, yeah, I don't I don't, I don't, don't see, like, every individual day as, like, an opportunity to make the team. I think it's a, a culmination of a lot of days. So just being honest with myself, being honest with the training staff and the coaching staff if, you know, I need to take it a little easy for a day. But I don't feel 34. I feel I feel just as good if not better than when I was 25 so just keeping that in mind and, and just pacing myself and just like I said just going out every day with the mindset that I'm going to get a little bit better every day and at the end of camp there'll be a decision to make and I just keep it that simple. So being home has the the family dynamic. A daughter, I believe, so the idea that, well, this is the first time sort of away from the game. Is there something that you learn from that, too, about a little bit more who you are? And Yeah, I mean, I, I have two kids. I got a daughter and a son. I got a five-year-old and an almost three-year-old son. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think you realize that I'm okay without baseball. I still enjoy doing it. I still want to play. I still feel like I have a lot to offer, but if it ended, I have a beautiful family to go home to. Uh, 
I got things that interest me outside of baseball. You know, I'd like to stay in the game in some way. There's other things that I like to do. And it was kind of nice. It was nice. You know, as much as I wanted to be out there, getting a taste of, you know, full-time fatherhood, uh, being a dad, being a husband, you know, being a better friend, uh, and a better neighbor, um, it was nice. So I think I think having that mindset gives me a lot of peace going into this opportunity. I don't take it lightly. I know what I'm playing for financially, uh, service time-wise, what I want to accomplish in my career. But I also understand it's not life or death. I got I got a good thing waiting for me at home. They're going to be out here very soon, and you know that's my security blanket when I get away from this. Right now, it's been a little tough. Every day, going home, being a, being by myself, you know, being a you know a, a dad from from over FaceTime. So I'm definitely looking forward to them getting out here. That's that's kind of my my safe place when I get away from this field. Is your daughter old enough to know sort of what dad does for a living? Yeah, I think my son does too. I don't think they like get the. I don't think they get like the 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 the, the dynamic of it. But I, they do understand why I'm gone. That I'm playing baseball. They see me at at home working out. They see me hitting in the cage. I take them to the cage with me a couple times a week, so they they kind of understand. And you know, aside from you know financially and and trying to reach that 10 year service time, I mean that's a, it's a big thing that motivates me to continue to play and try to play at a high level. Is I don't want to be one of those dads that has to show my kids YouTube to to show them that I played and that I was pretty good at baseball. I want them to be able to experience it and something I don't take lightly, something I'm, I'm really working hard to accomplish, make this team and be able to have my kids, you know, be a part of it. I, I was fortunate to, to be around a lot of really good dads and, and some good organizations that allowed their kids to be a part of spring training, be a part of the season, and, you know, I definitely want that for my kids, too. I'm going to get back to you in one second. You've been in the clubhouse, I'm assuming, when a guy has hit 10 years. Yeah. Can you explain to everybody why that's such a big deal and why in a game where, you know, it's a kid's game, but there is also a business aspect. 10 years, it is hard. It's hard to get here, harder to stay, yeah. and then you throw double-digit years there. That's worth yeah. celebrating. Yeah, yeah, I, I think exactly what you said. It's extremely difficult to get here. It's probably even more difficult to stay here, and you know, aside from the financial ramifications of, you know, maxing out your pension, it's just one of those things I think when you're in the minor leagues, you want to get to the big leagues, you get to the big leagues, you learn how to stay in the big leagues, and then once you learn how to stay in the big leagues, you know, the number's 10. You know, it's it's a very small percentage of guys that have ever stepped foot on a major league diamond, uh, reached a 10-year service time. And it's definitely something celebrated amongst players, staff, you know, families. I know uh, Darno's going to get his 10 years this year in uh, August. He was kind of already talking about it. Like, it's, it's a big topic of discussion. You don't... Especially now with the game getting younger and younger, you're seeing less guys get to that yeah. 10 years. Um, you know, and especially not being like a, a, a you know a perennial all-star, a superstar, to right. be able to kind of grind through 10 years is a huge accomplishment. They're also always looking, you know, I've gotten you know, three generations of young guys doing this long enough where they're always looking to replace you. That's what the draft is for. Yeah. It used to be 60 rounds. If it's down to 40 and 20, they're still looking for an alternative. And that's sort of the mind. Some guys get screwed up by that even right. before they make it to the major leagues. Yeah, I mean, I never lose sight of 21-year-old Kevin Pillar, who was drafted in the 32nd round. I was there to take someone's job, and I know every single guy that is in minor league camp or here on a non-roster uh, invite uh, have the same same goal as I once did. And, you know, my, my job now is to not let them take my job, you know, help the younger generation uh, reach their goals. You know, I'm not going to not share the the things that I've learned in the game. You know, that's not what I'm about. I'm not going to withhold stuff. I'm going to help these guys. And Did you have a pay it forward guy? Did you have a veteran? 
when you yeah, were... Yeah, I, I, had, I had a ton of veterans in my career that paid it forward. I mean, I think initially when I first got called up, Roger Davis was, was good for me. He was a guy that was kind of a journeyman, you know, had a unique set of skills, but was able to figure out a way to, to impact games with, you know, what he was able to do. As I established a little bit more, I had guys like Jose Batista, Troy Tulowitzki, Russell Martin, you know, Josh Donaldson, like so many great guys in my career that, you know, very easily could have, you know, without the tricks of the trade and what it meant to be a big leaguer and, you know, how to go about my work every single day. Um, you know, some were more vocal, some I just kind of observed. But, yeah, I think that's an important thing to do at this point in my career is just be the best team that I can, help the younger generation uh, with whatever I can. And like I said, it's whether I help them or not, they're there to take my job. Uh, my job is to not let them do that. And uh, I think I think healthy competition is good. I think it's also how you can extend as a veteran your time here. If you are known as a clubhouse guy that is a giver um, in a world where they might say, let's take the 22-year-old for a minimum, what about the 34-year-old guy, especially with a coaching staff like this? I think you're in an incredible position because the coaching staff, I think, understands what you can bring. Yeah, I mean, going into free agency again, you know, for whatever time it is, I mean, I definitely identified places that were about winning. I think uh, when you're in a winning environment, they value that a little bit more than a team that's not trying to win. Every uh, Teams that aren't trying to win and trying to, to build uh, towards the future tend to look at the future a little bit more. I think this team is very in a position where they're looking at the right now. Now is their future. Um, and just understanding the little things are important in, uh, when, when trying to make the team, being a good teammate, playing the game the right way. Um, you know, I think when you have a reputation of doing that and they get to see you uh, in person doing that, they know that I'm going to throw the right bases. All the little things matter. You know, it's not about the statistics as much anymore, but if they know that I'm a guy who's going to go out there and, and play hard and, and make the plays and throw to the right bases, and when I get on the bases, I know the signs and, you know, I have the willingness to go first or third or score on hits. You know, those things uh, kind of separate you from maybe a younger guy. Yeah, I just want to ask about YouTube. Are you aware that you have a 19-minute 19-minute YouTube highlight package. I've been, t since the day they, they, they signed you, I've been telling everybody, just go look. 15, 17. But you have a 19-minute defensive highlight package. I don't know if I've ever seen anybody with a longer YouTube version of their highlight yeah, package. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty uh, surreal. It's, it's humbling for sure. You know, I have... Uh my brother has two boys. Um, they're they're five and eight, and they're really into baseball. And my brother calls me uh, pretty frequently now, or FaceTimes me, and uh, the kids have discovered it. And uh, you know, another another little motivation for me too. They're actually going to come out here for their spring break. They haven't seen me play in a long time. Um, you know, I want to show them that I can still play at that, that high level too. How much toll did it put in your body? You you've thrown it around all over the place. Hard to say. I mean, I feel pretty good. Um, you know, I've been very fortunate in my career to avoid serious injury until last year. Um, yeah, I mean, it definitely takes a toll, but um, I've been playing that way my whole life. You know, I played high school football and, and other sports, and I think that prepared me for uh, playing baseball. So there's Kevin Pillar with Chris Domino, and as you heard him say, uh, not doing the World Baseball Classic this year, wants to be with the Braves in camp. 
I think that's a smart move for a guy who's a veteran trying to win a spot on a roster. He wants to be there. He wants to be seen every single day, and we'll see what kind of spring Kevin Pillar can put together and if he can find find himself uh, earning a roster spot here in 2023. All right, before we go, it's time to take a look at this date in baseball history. Once again, brought to you by our friends at Righteous Q, located on East Piedmont Avenue, right there on East Piedmont and Roswell Road here in Marietta. The best barbecue in the region, folks. Stop on by, grab their pulled pork, their brisket. They've got the wings, the smoked wings. Oh my goodness, they're terrific. Uh, They're now serving beer and wine as well. What goes better with a little barbecue than a nice cold beer? Well, you can stop by and grab one now, today. Stop on by and see them right there in the Piedmont Commons Shopping Center in Marietta. Righteous Q bringing you this date in baseball history. And we're going to take you back to uh, to, uh, to September. Yeah, geez, I'm really zooming through the season. Take you back to February 28th, 1966. Refusing to report to spring training, Dodger pitchers Sandy Koufax and Don Drysdale begin their joint holdout. Now, they were asking for a three-year contract uh, to be divided equally between the two of them. Now, the deal would be equivalent to an annual salary of about $167,000 each would make them the best paid baseball players, surpassing Willie Mays, who was making $125,000 with the Giants in 1966. On this date, Koufax and Drysdale say, you know what, we're holding out, we want more money on this date in 1966. Also on this date in 1975, the Mets purchased slugger Dave Kingman from the Giants. Now San Francisco drafted the 26-year-old first baseman and outfielder as their first pick in the initial round of the secondary phase of the 1970 amateur draft. And on this date, he was headed to New York to play for the Mets' Dave Kingman on this date in 1975. A couple of more for you here. Also on this date in 1989, the Hall of Fame by the Veterans Committee elects Red Shane Heist, who spent 19 seasons in the big leagues and managed the Cardinals to a world championship in 67. And Al Barlick, a 29-year-old, uh, 29-year veteran umpire, best known for his booming voice. Both were elected into Cooperstown, and they would join Johnny Bench and Carl Yastrzemski as the class of 1989. On this date in 1989. One or two more for you here. It was also on this date in 1990. Speaking of the Veterans Committee, after meeting for more than five hours and taking three ballots, the Veterans Committee does not select a player for induction to the Hall of Fame for the second time in three years. Now, finalists included Phil Rizzuto, Nellie Fox, Richie Ashburn, Leo DeRocher, Joe Gordon. Uh, Let's see who else was on that list. Hal Newhouser, uh, umpire Bill McGowan did not receive the 11 votes required for election from the 14 members present at their annual meeting on this date in 1990. Nobody was elected by the Veterans Committee. Now, some of those guys, as you are well aware, did make it into Cooperstown when all was said and done. And finally, on this date for you in uh, 2005, righty Jake Peavy, who went 15-6 and with a 227 in 2004, and the Padres would agree to terms of a four-year deal with the team holding an option for a fifth year. Now, the 23-year-old righty led the majors with the lowest ER at 227, opted to sign now rather than take a chance in his first year of arbitration eligibility after the 05 season. PV took the money and uh, seems like it was a smart move for Jake as he signed on this date four more years with the San Diego Padres. All right, that's going to do it for our show here today. Make sure you join us for the Braves Clubhouse Report tomorrow, 2 o'clock on 680 The Fan. And don't forget Braves Baseball on your radio every day this week and weekend. Ben Ingram calling the uh, the game today. The Braves will be in Fort Myers taking on the uh, the Twins today. Tomorrow they will be home 
in Northport taking on the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. Then it's a road trip. Road trip to the east coast of Florida. How about that? Mets on Thursday, Astros on Friday. Those are both 1 o'clock games, and those can both be heard. All of those games can be heard on 1340 here in Atlanta uh, AM, and then you can hear them on Braves uh, on the MLB.com app as well. Ben Ingram, the sultry, dulcet tones of Ben Ingram, who you'll hear on the Braves Clubhouse Report tomorrow with Wiley and I. You'll hear him call Braves baseball later on today. That's going to do it for our show. Once again, thanks to Righteous Q for being part of it all season long. We will do it again real soon as Braves spring training rolls on and we turn the calendar to March starting tomorrow. The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com.